We're finishing up with our series on true riches. Where's the scripture that we use? The verse, chapter and verse, if you can shout it out. Luke 16, verse 11. What does it say? It says, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? So we're saying to ourselves, God's giving a promise connected to stewardship of wealth, of finances. And that is the true riches. What, what are the true riches? The true riches are, it's the kingdom of God. But then also impact with people. We want people to be impacted, not only in George, but also in Nepal, but also in all the different areas of the Southern Cape with, with the gospel. And they must eventually proclaim that Jesus is Lord and we want to find them one day in heaven. I had a great story yesterday. We had a baptism of a, of a young lady and she said she never liked shofar because she had friends in shofar and she didn't like them. But she had this friend that would phone her and say that was in shofar actually in Stellenbosch, Eugene, and then she would know if she phones her, oh, God's going to give her a word now. There's nothing of God that's going to come up now. So the lady phoned her uh, a, year and a, a year and a half ago and said, hey, I have a dream. God showed me in a dream that you are breaking up with your boyfriend. And that was true. And she's like, oh, God, you just know everything. And then she came to George. And people befriended her of this church. And then four weeks ago, one of her friends turned to another friend and said, hey, let's pray for her now to get saved, for this lady to get saved. Two weeks after that, she messaged them and said, hey, I want to go to Shofar. I want to go to church. And then in the church meeting last week in the evening, Luke sent something down the lines of, are you ready for Jesus to come back? And she said a heart jumped out of her, out of her uh, chest and she's like, no, I'm not ready. So when we made the altar call, she came forward, she literally ran to me, and she said, hey, hey, I need to get baptized. And then I said, yeah, but you can get baptized. Just get that friend of yours. I know her very well. She's a mentor. She can baptize you. And she said, shouldn't there be a priest also at the baptism? So then the priest was also invited to go and baptize her. But just these stories of people investing in other people through prayer, through relationship, and that, that then then pans out in somebody getting saved eternally with Jesus. Just beautiful. So we want to receive the true riches. And then we look to the four areas that we need to steward well. The one is we need a plan for saving. We need a plan for investing. We need a plan for giving. And we need a plan for living. And all of that should be done with God, in relationship with God, so that the kingdom of God can, can come. So today... Briefly, I want to look at God's heart for the poor. So if we talk about finances and we talk about these blessings, often what we think of is, hey, maybe I can be more strategic in my relationship with the Lord and with finances, and then God can bless me more. Even during this month, some of you had those thoughts. I must just do this and almost said, then God will bless me and and then I can have more finances. I can go all out in Black Friday. Which is gone, by the way. But I see most of these shops. It's Cyber Monday and it's Black November and all of that. 
Listen to this, Luke 7, 2023. So John the Baptist sends his disciples to Jesus to ask if Jesus is truly the Messiah. And this is what Jesus says. When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you coming? Are you the coming one or do we look for another? And that very hour he cured many of infirmities, afflictions and evil spirits and to many blind he gave sight. So this is Jesus' ministry. He's just bringing the kingdom in a very practical way. And then Jesus answered them and said, go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he, he who is not offended because of me. And for me, something that stood out is there at the end. It says, yes, all these miracles are happening, and tell them also that the gospel is preached to the poor. So Jesus, in his own words, is saying, this is my ministry. I am revealed as the true Messiah by doing these works. All the miracles, yes, but also the gospel to the poor. In Luke 4, we see that Jesus takes the scroll of Isaiah, and then he reads from Isaiah 61. And Isaiah 61 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me, to do what? To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So here's Jesus, the first time that he's preaching, he's sort of bringing out his mission statement. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, he has anointed me to do what? And he talks a lot about gospel to the poor, setting the oppressed free, the blind sight. So people that have lack, I've come to them. This is my goal in life. This is my mission statement. This is why I'm here. I want to do this. But he includes the poor and it, and it includes, yes, people lacking uh, health, people lacking good relationships, people lacking in their uh, business endeavors, but it also includes people that's lacking in finances, the poor around us. So this is what Jesus is saying, the gospel to the poor. And by the way, that last one where it talks of uh, the last sort of part of the statement of, of his mission is to say, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and speaks of the year of Jubilee. And in the year of Jubilee, what, how it was done in the Old Testament is in the 50th year, everything that owned, owed something, they were debt free after that year. It was given back to them. If, so, if you've given your land out because you owed money and you couldn't repay, so you gave up your land to some friend or family member or business partner, you would get that land back. So it speaks of justice also in the area of economics. This is why Jesus died. And this is why he came. So I want to take those four elements of stewardship and I want to use them today to reveal to us and to sort of give us a practical way of pursuing this gospel to the poor. So... 
let's look at the, at the first one, which is saving. So how can we use saving, our idea of saving, and often when we think of saving, you're saving up for yourself, your retirement, for, for your kids, for education. But here is where God's taking us deeper and saying, hey, we should not only save for ourselves, we should also save for other people. So in Leviticus 19, 9-10, it says, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. In other words, you save some, not for yourself, but you save for the poor. You must keep some aside so that people can live that don't have the means that you have. This is part of the Torah. It's still very important up until this day is that we need to look after the people that don't have. Who of you, if you look at your family line, know that there was a grandmother or a great-grandfather that was very extremely poor? Who of you have those family members in your, in your life? Okay. Actually, most of us, if you go down the bloodline, if you go look at, at grandmother, grandfather, some of them had nothing. Some of them didn't finish school. But because of an opportunity that was given to them, whether it's by a friend or another family member, they actually had the means to equip themselves and bring blessing into their the people that would come behind them, after them, the, the family members, the bloodline. So all of us were actually, in a way, we are the beneficiaries of people that did this. Said, hey, I'm going to give towards the poor. I'm going to make an effort to save up, not only for myself, but also for the poor. You all know Siakulisi. Great example of, of that. I was reading his autobiography last year, and I was so touched by how many people showed kindness towards him. He had a coach who realized this guy is not getting nutritious meals at home, so he, and he, the coach also had a butchery, so he would supply meat to his parents so that Sia could eat properly. Then because of his rugby, um, he then went to Gray College PE, and he couldn't speak English. So he had a friend called Nicholas, and eventually named his son also Nicholas, who taught him English. Then he had a teacher who realized that he's not too excited to go home over the weekends. And the teacher said, I'm going to bring you into my family for the weekends. Just all these different people showing kindness and mercy towards Sia. So saving up not for yourself, your emotional capacity is not only for yourself. It's not only for your family, the great table that you've put out. And wow, we as a family, the Kennedys, we are great and we are amazing. No, we should include the poor. So save up for the poor. And, and you'll see, try to... Frame them within those four aspects of stewardship, but they overlap. So the second one we want to look into is invest in the poor. Give opportunities. 
So James 2 verse 24 says this, Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. And you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, Here's a good seat for you. But say to the poor man, You stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. You have not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So we're all, to, we're all, we're all inclined to do this. You treat the person with power, the person with wealth, better than the person that's poor. We all do that. And and God's very clear on this. We should include everybody. The person that's lacking, you should include him. Give him the opportunity that you will give to the rich man. Maybe he just needs some help. Maybe he is just lacking in the way that he does his budget. Maybe he's lacking in just a nutritious meal. But we give opportunities to those people just like we would give opportunities to people that are, that are wealthy. Like all of us like the story of, of Siakulisi. We like the fact that he is now the captain and he's amazing. If he walks in here, then we're all like, whoa, Siakulisi! Amazing! But would we as the church ha- have the eyes of Jesus if Siakulisi was six years old or seven years old coming into this building with his family. His dad probably drank, his mom's still a teenager. Would we receive him? That's what God's asking. Number three, invite them into your life. So give them opportunities, but then also invite them in your life. So we want to spend and we want to live also with our money, like you allow to save up and then spend it on that holiday, that family holiday, go for it or, or buy that motorbike if it's within your budget or go and come and cycle with us. The guys are very, very fit, so maybe not with us for the first time. There was a guy yesterday who came cycling. It was the second time that he was cycled in, I think, 20 years and he, and um our friends, the guys that are cycling with me, they don't have any empathy. So it literally just took off and left the guy. But apparently they had coffee all together. I just asked them afterwards because I had to turn back earlier. So invite them into your life. Luke 14, 12 to 14. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, to not, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters or your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And for me, this is a beautiful picture. It's an amazing picture, because it's, it's saying, do not have only a, a special a outreach and we and we give food out to the homeless or to the people that don't have food or or maybe invest in this cycle for change journey and give to Morena and life community and the youth coaches and, and please do that that's amazing but actually invite those people that is from a different socioeconomic class into your house live with them show them how 
it looked like. Another thing from Siak Lise's book is he said he was so privileged to be invited into these rich friends' house. And he said, yes, it was great to see the cars, etc. But the one thing that stood out for him is the way that they spoke to their parents. There was honor. They honored their parents. And there's some things that you can, yes, you can teach them, but it's so much better caught. So you need to bring people, say, hey, this is how we do, this is how we, this is how we communicate, this is how we do life. Because there was a family member in your, in your life down the bloodline that said, hey, this is important to transfer into my family, into my kids, so I'm going to teach them how to do it, and then that get transferred into the generations to come. And that is beautiful, and that's amazing. But often the poor don't have those people that can invest in them and show them how life is, is done. So last, this Monday, we had four doctors with us from UCT, and they've spent some time with us during this year, and just amazing, amazing people. And, um, and they're all, like Gert would say, dark brown, so Af- like African people, like Koza, Zulus, and, and Sutus. And uh, I just loved hearing their stories. So two of them said, Hey, we are so privileged. We grew up in private schools. Our parents could send us to private schools. We have so much money at home. It's amazing. The other two said, we didn't grow up in private schools, and we were poor. We made it to UCT through hard work and also the sponsorships of of other people. But the lady that came from, one of the ladies that came from a private school said, a mom Set it, sat it down as a young girl and said to her, this is how you work with a knife and a fork. And they had to do this like, and she said it was, it was horrible because they were forced to do it properly. And also all the different knives and all that. She, she couldn't understand why her mom focused so much on that. And then she heard the story. Her mom went to university, still, I think, late apartheid years, beginning of democracy, and her mom didn't know how to use a knife and a fork at university. And because of that, there was a lot of shame connected to that experience. So there's this, this invitation, God saying, hey, let's, let's look out for one another. And also, there's so much that we can learn from the poor people. So the guy who planted Shofar, his name is Fred May. He, came, he comes from a very poor background, very poor. He said it was so special to him. He didn't like it when he was young, but now it's special to him. Is that his mom would get like apples, like a bag of apples. And then they had to share like two and a half apples among the kids, the siblings. But the rest of the apples went to the rest of the community. Because she knew that she is connected to the community. And she's dependent on the community. And they will repay her with apples, with other food, but she can't keep just for herself. She can't be so selfish, I need to keep for herself. So sometimes we think we are, we are poor, and, and because of we are poor, we need to first get out of the situation before we can start giving. No, you should already start just cultivating this, this idea of generosity. Like our 40, our, sorry, our kids get, 
80 rand in two weeks. And they think it's a lot of money. And then there's some money that gets subtracted, 10 rand if they don't do their chores for the day. So like I said last time, Julia, the first two weeks, she was in the minus. But we're trying to teach them, you can already start giving with what you have. Because it's a, it's a culture that we need to get right in our midst. And then last one, spend yourself on behalf of the poor. So give. Spend what you have, your energy. And in this verse, it comes from Ina we found it work for a living. Mandisa is a work for a living facilitator, and she hammers this. This is where God spoke to her and said, hey, put these centers together to train the poor to get jobs so they will also thrive financially. And they've been in many different nations, and Mandisa is doing great work here, and, and George, and we also just planted one in, in Otero. So Isaiah 58, but you must actually go and read the whole of Isaiah 58 from... From verse verse 6. So it says this. If you do away with the yoke of oppression. With the pointing finger and malicious talk. And if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry. And satisfy the needs of the oppressed. Then your light will arise in the darkness. And your night will become like the noonday. This is a promise. If God says it, then it's done. And he's speaking to the community of Israel. He's saying, if you collectively, if you do this, and we have a lot of injustices in South Africa, a lot of injustices. If we speak into that, if we labor for that, then what will God do? He will give us, or he will bring us, or he will make us the the light that will rise in darkness. And your night will become like the noonday. And then Proverbs 19, 7 says this, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. So my picture in my mind is God saying, hey, I have a bank. Here's some shares that you can buy. If you, the way that you buy these shares is you give to the poor. In kindness, finances, just allowing them to come into your house, not getting offended by the person standing at the robot, give value, tell them they're human, you don't always have to give to them, rather work with the organizations, by the way, we have a big problem in George where people just want to give to the homeless people straight to them, they want to work through the organizations which have learned all the right lessons on how to deal with poor people, because they're also sometimes very difficult. You can ask Mandisa. <laughs> but God's saying, if you invest there, then I will repay you. And if you think like, wow, I should have invested in Capitec or in Apple back in the day or whatever you're thinking, wow, you missed that train. This train is still going year after year. So invest there, and then God will repay you. Great. So I think just it's good for us to end off this true riches month with this.
is that God has called us to great stewardship. And yes, then he will give us the true riches of the kingdom. But that's true. The, those true riches also involve a heart for the poor. 